Welcome to Scintillating Macrocosms, a broad podcast about extended reality artists, decentralised art, digital immersive exhibitions, and much more. I'm your host, Harrison Wilmot, and I'll be having nice easy chats with artists, curators, collectors, and practitioners for the next few months. This episode's guest is another podcaster called That Tom Clancy. What made me want to interview Tom was the fact that he hosts his podcast live entirely from within VR. I'd caught a couple of his shows beforehand, but I didn't know much more about him. So I began by asking him to introduce himself. Well, funnily enough, most of it, strangely enough, on my Twitter profile, at Tom Clancy, remember the H, it's very important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I... Uh, uh, I'm kind of, the best way to explain it is that I'm like a hobbyist game developer. Uh, I live uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the moment. And over the last few years and most recently over the last few months, I've been working on a live performance capture uh, podcast slash YouTube show using good old fashioned consumer grade VR equipment. Why did you decide to do that? Uh, honestly, I was trying to figure out, uh, I was working with a friend of mine. We were trying to figure out a way to use my, uh, and these are his words, not mine. I would never, ever say (laughs) the following about myself. I'm far too humble. Uh, (laughs) but he's like, you know, he was like, you have a charisma, you have a, a love of games. How can we turn that into a YouTube channel? And we tried a couple things, and then right before Christmas, I saw a behind-the-scenes video for Star Wars Rogue One, and they were doing or showing how they were using Unreal Engine uh, to take care of some of the pre-visualization and some really quick renders for the motion capture for K two, the droid. And oh yeah, so they were using they were feeding the camera footage straight from the camera into a PC that was then rendering uh, a really quick real-time version of K2 over Alan Tudyk's performance. So that way they would have, you know, it, it was really rough and it wasn't perfect, but they would have an idea of what it would look like when they would go to the editing bay and start doing, you know, like the real compositing and stuff. And I saw that and I was like, well, there's got to be a way to do that myself. Yeah. And uh, like uh, within a month, I had a working prototype that looked really bad, but it was a working prototype <laughs> and uh, worked on that pretty hard for a few months. And then uh, we couldn't really find a format that uh, we really liked. And we kind of put it on the back burner for a while. I came back to it about uh, just about a year later put a little more work into it still just couldn't quite find the format that worked for it. Uh, and then this year when all the lockdowns and everything started here stateside, uh, I just decided to pick it back up and started doing it as just a live video podcast on my Twitch channel. Yeah. And And you're saying we, is this your friend who initially said how great you were? Uh, no, no, uh, uh, he's got like a real job (laughs) that requires a real amount of time. And, uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time about it too. Also, you know, 
lockdown. Uh, mm. Lockdown social distancing. Take this moment to say, people, wear your dang masks. I want to be able to go to foreign countries yeah. again. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was, like we didn't have like a bad parting of ways or anything. It's just, you know, we just kind of fell out of touch. And I just say we because it's, you know, just, uh, I don't know. Like, I kind of <laughs> see the me who's sitting here talking with you about the show as slightly different from, like, the character of me that I kind of portray on the show. Yeah, I get that. And so it's just, uh, it, it, when you say we, it sounds like you actually are professional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that as well. Uh, you kind of, it does sound like you've got, like, more people, you've got, like, a team around you it, who are, like... I wish I did. Because that would be cool. It would be. And it would make my and life like, a heck of a lot that's easier. Like, that's, that's like a something to aim for. Yeah. That's, like down the line. We could definitely get that. That's on there. And I think it's good. It's aspirational to be like we. Well, it's it cool. would be really helpful too. Because I can tell you like literally just today... Uh, well, last night I, I booked a game for an upcoming or, or a game developer for an upcoming show. And it didn't occur to me that I had, uh, also reached out to another developer for effectively the same time slot, but because the other developer is in a completely different time zone and I had like pitched the time to them in their time that mm. I, uh, that I ended up uh, uh, actually booking two interviews for the same time slot. Gosh, but with but using like different times. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know, how does like four a.m. your time sound? And the other person was like, how about three p.m.? You know, and uh, <laughs> I'm throwing out like different uh, times and is the actual thing because I I don't want them to know I accidentally did this. Although I I flat out just. <laughs> Uh, You've completely admitted to it now. Yeah, well, I mean, I've already admitted to, it to the person, <laughs> okay. uh, to one of the teams. Because the way I look at it is that I had already offered up that time slot to uh, one of the teams is in Australia. And so it's like they're effectively in my tomorrow. And so mm. I had offered them that time slot a couple of days before I got talking with the other team. And then they got back to me. The second team got back to me a little bit quicker, but like I'd already, you know, kind of not necessarily promised, but kind of put that time slot on hold for the first team. And so I was like, oh, I really got to give it to them because I did offer it to them first. Yeah, Especially with fair a team in Australia, it's going to be super hard to get that scheduling worked out. Yeah. So, uh, I just reached out to the other team, like, uh, geez not even an hour before this and i was like hey guys so like i completely blanked and time zones <laughs> and are you free for a day further on like so it would be nice to nice. have somebody to do the scheduling yeah yeah <laughs> i feel the same i, I think that's uh, thinking about it now it's the same it's very similar thing that happened to why we're 40 minutes later than i said we'd be or you suggested would be because i'd uh had a previous uh meeting which was 1 p.m. for them, but 6 p.m. for me. And I just didn't, just, just doesn't clock until you're um, about to start. No. But I think that's an interesting 
symptom of a more kind of worldly and kind of globally globally connected um kind of working environment that has kind of come out of this pandemic which i think is really interesting um because i didn't worry about time zones nearly as much as i did this time last year i mean i cool i kind of did because i have a very distributed friends network cool uh because you know before i started doing all this i mean i've uh have a bit of time or i've spent about two years in the games industry and you know i've been to a bunch of e3s and paxes and things like that and oh yeah you know if you just follow the basic mantra of don't be a dick you'd be surprised how many (laughs) friends you make uh yeah and so i mean I, i i'm already used to having friends all the way over in like japan or australia europe you know so it's i'm i'm always kind of thinking in time zones i've just kind of had to get better at it over the last five months (laughs) yeah so you started off as a a game developer yeah um and you you like to interview uh game developers game developers principally well um they're they're kind of like the the easy group to go for right now for the most part um like why would you say that well i would say that because uh i'm friends with a lot of them uh Hmm. So that you know, it's a whole, it's a whole lot easier to go reach out to a friend and go, "Hey, you want to be on my show?" Than like reach out to just some random people out there and be like, hey, "Yeah, be I definitely know the feeling." <laughs> yeah, uh, and then otherwise too, I got linked up with uh, Liam Toos, who's running the hashtag Picture Game uh, like movement hashtag, whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah, and so like I'm I'm technically one of the people who's in charge of it but uh like i I don't really exert a lot of power uh i just i'm cool. there because it uh gives me you know a level of like well i'm not just there for that i'm there because i do believe in the message and helping boost oh, yeah. uh, visibility for indie devs and stuff but another thing that i really like about it too is that gives me that level of credibility when i'm reaching out to these indie developers who uh don't have the reach that they maybe should and it gives me that that level of credibility when i reach out to them and i go hey uh would you like to be on my game or be on my uh be on my podcast to talk about your game you know and uh yeah you know it helps them out helps me out helps pitch your game out so you know it's a pretty fun time yeah it's pretty cool how because I, because i'm i saw you via the vr art live Mm-hmm. uh discord how did you find yourself there uh in that savvy. <laughs> through savvy cool. yeah uh savvy life uh we've been internet friends for a while i don't even remember how long and uh i'm a big fan of her work and when she was doing the whole vr everyday thing i was just like you've gotta be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we got to talking and uh uh, she's seen previous incarnations of the show and she was like, Hey, you're doing some cool stuff. You should come be on our discord. I joined up with the discord. And then when I started doing the show, she was like, we should get you listed as a streamer because you're technically doing VR streaming, which I mean, it's not yeah. like I'm not technically doing VR streaming. Like I'm doing VR streaming. Um, because a lot of people think that I'm just running like, uh, just, uh, uh, like, uh, vibe trackers. And the truth of it is that I am 
legit running the entire show from inside of an Unreal Engine uh, project. So I mean, yeah. I have the headset on and everything. That's pretty wild. I didn't, I didn't consider. I thought you were just vibe trackers. In fact, to be honest, I thought it was just, um, just like a static game, and you weren't uh, in VR at all to begin with. No, it and is then I was like, oh shit, no, you're in real time. Actually, inside and everything, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, uh, just this week, I hit my fiftieth uh, episode because I usually do four to six a week. And gosh, yeah, I know, right? That's quite a lot. Uh, it, it is, and it's it's tough getting all that <laughs> stuff scheduled. Which is another thing that's yeah. great about Picture Game is that once a month, there's you know hundreds of people throwing their stuff up there, and I'm just like, ooh, I got a month's worth yeah. of shows. <laughs> But I'm also trying to like a lucky dip. Yeah. But I'm also trying to branch out too, because it's like, don't get me wrong. I love indie games. You know, Mm. I just like, I see so many things like just uh, in the last week and a half on Twitter. It's like, I just had uh, Alexander Mejia from uh, human interact. They made this uh, VR arcade game called starship commander. And I just learned about the game last week. I hit them up on email and I just had them on the show yesterday. So it's like, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's like nice scheduling. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, that's one of the things I love is that because I also have, you know, these 50 episodes where I can go back and show people and be like, look, I'm not just some random dude on the internet. Like I'm a guy Mm. who legit does this, you know, it lends a level of like, you very liberal use of air quotes here credibility (laughs) yeah Uh, that makes it all a little bit easier so like this month i'm uh i i don't have dates worked out like 100 yet but i've got at least four people from the vra live discord who are going to be on because they just had uh the galactic safari event in the last few weeks so that was um, pretty cool i'd like to get some of those guys on here as well yeah, uh, I had uh, Reverse Butcher on Monday. She was uh, actually my 50th episode guest. Not nice. my 50th guest, but the guest for the 50th episode. Um, uh, Chroma Snare is uh, one oh, of yeah. the people I'm talking to. Willow Moon, uh, Girl Writer, uh, Lover Worldwide. Those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. There's probably one or two more in there, too. Uh, nice. That's I'm cool. I can't wait to... to- yeah, no, it's gonna be fun. That's <laughs> um, I'm reaching out to uh, a couple of tattoo artists as well, uh, because oh, yeah. here in what I dub meat space, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a, a tattoo enthusiast and collector. So nice. I, I could I could probably fill your entire podcast with just my philosophy and sociology beliefs on uh, mm. tattoos. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in like um, down the line of if we have like shared VR avatars like across uh, non meat space, um, you could have like kind of AR level tattoos, and also in in meat space you could have like AR image targets tattoos. Yeah, I mean, there's you could do stuff with. It could be really interesting. There are so many things I'm trying to do, but it's like. Uh, as a one-man operation it's you know i just uh i just launched a whole new set this week and every day there are new bug fixes for it you know like uh the first uh mm. first day of the show i was like my avatar is too short and then i fixed the height issue and i was like ah <laughs> oh, my head's too big so then i had to fix the head issue 
And now I'm like, ah, oh, the lights are too warm. So I have to switch <laughs> the light temperature over to, uh, cause like I, I naturally personally prefer, like if I were making real cinema, like I would use like the, the, uh, high temperature, like the, the six, uh, like 7,000 Kelvin plus. Cause like, I mm. like that, like blue look, like it's just for me, I just, I dig it, you know? Yeah. And uh, when I set up the lighting for the current scene, I went a little bit warmer. But the problem is that my scene is also full of a bunch of warm tones. So like everything Mm -hmm. kind of has this like orangey red hue that it doesn't necessarily need. So I need to fix that up. Uh, You know, but like the (laughs) it's like an iterative process, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, these kind of things. It's quite literally a game. It's just a game that has no beginning, no end, and serves no real purpose other than, <laughs> you know, making well, I, it's laugh. nice. It's it's a game which is like it's it well, it's present. It's all it's always like happening. It's not a it's not something which is can be like re well it can be like replayed, but it's it's an interesting uh take on the idea of of playing with presence yeah um very cool you know on my long list of things is uh the ability to have uh guests actually be on the show you know like i was gonna talk about that yeah yeah if a guest has virtual reality get a setup where they can be actually on the couch and so i'm not just looking at my virtual monitor and pretending that i'm looking at people who are really there like mm-hmm. i can actually you know look at a person we can do like a real high five and you know I think stuff you like could that. use something like pluto where you can have like shared avatars across different programs or soft bits of software and then could you could you like attach the camera to the guest or both of you and then you could walk around in the space and like they could follow you around. You could do some walking and talking. Well, what I there's do... there's a lot of stuff you could do. Oh no, absolutely. And would uh, if I were to have people walking around and talking to each other, what I would likely do in that instance uh, is that I would build a trigger system. Uh, so oh, yeah. when uh, one of the uh, characters, for lack of a better word, uh, entered into a certain part of the set, it would automatically switch the camera angle to something that would be better fit uh, for, you know, uh, that particular setup. I mean, that's kind of how, with the exception of a couple cameras, it's how I've set up a lot of it right now. Because previously it's like I had uh, pretty much uh, two camera angles. I had the close-up on me and then a wide shot for when I had the guests or guests on the show. And then now... Uh, it's, I have, uh, six cameras, but I'm only using five. And so it's like, I have the first shot for, uh, since I've, uh, for people who aren't familiar with the show, it like, I started doing it in a garage and I've now oh, opened yeah. the garage door and I've discovered that outside of the garage is a late night TV set. Cool. <laughs> and I was so the first episode. I was like, you're kidding me, right? This has been here the whole time. And, so is that uh, it's like like um a a set you you didn't design yourself you kind of got it from somewhere else or well, did you just I, is this in the in the law that you've 
Uh, and this. The, this is... the the lore is that I purchased all of the assets through the Unreal Asset or the Unreal Marketplace, and that's true. I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I've otherwise, like, I have you know used the assets to build the sets to meet my purpose. Yeah. So it's like you know it wasn't like some dude was all like, "Hey, late night talk show set," and I was all like, "Purchase." It was like I have all these pieces. How can I put them together to make what I want? Cool. You could do some. You're thinking of doing some more kind of progressions in terms of the background, like well, a, as a make it like a journey over the next few episodes or few seasons where you you and your guests kind of travel through different metaverses. Uh, that's a distinct possibility. One of the things I'm looking forward to is as the audience grows is uh because i you know already in the audience i already have some people who dabble in 3d art and not just like the the tilt brush and like oculus quill and stuff like that but uh like uh blender maya max things of that nature and one thing i would like to do is uh you know host or host on sets built and designed by audience members Mm you know that like, could be, that's very cool you yeah. could host your uh shows from within or on art pieces designed by the guests you're interviewing yeah i mean like it, really it's cool. a big question to ask or it, it's not a big question to ask but it is a big uh, because it's not a question but <laughs> it's a big ask of people because it it is like this uh i mean you know, building it with pre-made assets is super easy you know, yeah. but asking somebody to then like, you know, design a space and then make it game ready. That's a big ask because mm. uh, a lot of people who are building for the purpose of just like art, uh, especially in digital art, aren't thinking along the lines of making as you know, game ready assets. I've dabbled in that and it's, a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> yeah, because you have to, uh, you know, if you're not making a game ready asset, like if you're, let's just say you're like making a desk and you're just making it as like for fun, you don't have to worry about poly count. You don't mm. have to worry about optimizing the structure of the 3D mesh. You know, there's so much going on that you, that's going on with a game ready piece of, uh, of art that you don't have to worry about like uh uh one of the youtubers i follow uh is a guy named ec henry and he does a lot of like renders of uh star wars stuff and he oh, yeah. has all this stuff up on sketchfab or whatever and like you can't purchase it for good reason because like you know <laughs> it's, it's his and uh but i was looking at the uh the wireframe model of he did a t75 x-wing and I looked at this and I was like, oh my God, I was like, this would melt my PC because it's just, <laughs> you know, tens of thousands of faces. And I was just like, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm, I'm barely a 3d artist, but I know enough to be dangerous. And I'm just like, I would like, <laughs> there's so many optimizations on that thing I would make, you know? And yeah. he doesn't have to worry about that because he's going to render it out. He's not going to use it in real time. You know, it doesn't matter to him if it takes uh, 30 seconds more or less for the render to come out because that doesn't mean anything. And I'm just like, just, just my brain is exploding from the number of 
just verts and edges mm. and all that stuff. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a completely different world. And then you get like uh, stuff in Tilt Brush too. And man, like Tilt Brush is beautiful. Oh, Don't yeah. get me wrong, but that is not optimized. Yeah, I, I've kind of realized that uh, myself, kind of bringing Tilt Brush models, which, which I which I think are relatively simple and bringing them into Blender and, and trying to process them in a way which I think is cool. But then realizing that it's, oh, well, actually, no, this is very clunky and weird and i really admire artists who can bring in their work from tilt brush and and do stuff with it because they've well of course they've thought about it beforehand and drawn it in a way which is or sculpted it in a way which is optimized for post-processing yeah artists like giant swan are you familiar with Giant Swan? I uh, can't say that I am. Like, I feel so, that my... Australian uh, fellow. Yeah, my, my knowledge of VR artists is, like, I feel like it's pretty wide, but then, like, I, I, I talk to somebody and they're all like, yo, do you know, like, X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, no, I know A, B, and C. <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's a, a wild west kind of world at the moment. Um like the technical aspects of it and being aware of all these kind of other things that you have to be aware of at, with your kind of 3D art. Uh, there's, it's like a crazy combination of uh, different industries going on, uh, which is super exciting, which is why I was really um, intrigued by your kind of live VR podcast talk show thing. It's just a combination of a lot of, interesting things going on at the moment and it's like all in in a game engine as well which is super interesting because there's like combinations of uh industries like the virtual production thing which is going on with i think it's kind of developed from the technology you were talking about with rogue one but then they took it to the mandalorian and then did all this kind of unreal background stuff i'm explaining it very badly i'm not quite cut this out but there's the combinations of industries at the moment which is really fascinating and it's one of the reasons why i wanted to chat to you about it yeah it's this really crazy era i mean if you it it's something that kind of continually astounds me because if you had told me uh even 10 years ago that uh, a regular effectively a regular computer user would have access to tools to do real-time motion capture in 10 years i mean not even in 10 years in in six seven years from that time period yeah. i'd have said you were crazy you know because you it's know, possible. in 2010 it was motion capture was uh, a tens of thousand dollar investment you know, and that was just setting up the space. That's before you start getting into uh, the appropriate camera setups. Before you start getting into the suits, uh, the recording, and all that, like the yeah, processing of all that information as well. Yeah, and we can do it in real time on you know a GTX nine seventy graphics card and a mm -hmm. uh, 
a 60-year-old Intel processor on 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah. So uh, so talking about your the prototype that you've put together, um, are, you, are you willing to explain more about your like the technical aspects of the motion capture setup that you've put together for your show? It's amazingly simple, but everybody thinks it's really tough. Uh, <laughs> it's like, cool. I mean, that's, that's the basic gist of it is it's like, it, honestly, it's uh, all the information is completely out there. It's just a matter mm. of just figuring out like not how to do it, but the, what you need to do it, so to speak. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, you, you have to look at it from the perspective of not a video game, but like a, a theater show or, or a TV show. And so much of it comes down to, uh, like you can't use regular cameras. You have to use a different actor class in the game. And then like, it's, uh, there's two main ways I've found to do it. And one way is stupid, but yields technically better results, but you can't do it in real time. The other way mm-hmm. you can do it in real time, but there's still like some uh, just personal production uh, quality stuff that like, I just, I need to figure out because it's bugging me that all of my cameras have <laughs> universal focus and there's no focus depth and there's no depth of field. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, like, it's just, like, is that a big problem? No, but it's just one of those like little, little teeny things. That's just like on the, the, the guy who lives in the back of my head, who's just all about production value is all like, Hey Tom, <laughs> you don't have any depth of field. I don't see any uh, lens flares. <laughs> what are you shooting on there? You don't even know, <laughs> you know, and I'm just and like, and he, he, he's absolutely right. There is no depth of field. I haven't figured out how to like get like, you know, like real lenses and stuff on it and stuff. But just cause I Do have, you have a, a background in filmmaking no, as well as game no, development. You just, uh, I just, I like to learn and yeah. Uh, you know, like probably a quarter of the YouTube channels that I actively watch are centered around filmmaking. So cool. like, I'm not going to say that I can tell you like what F stops and T stops mean or like what ISO does, but I know how to make things look pretty. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the important thing. As long as you know how to make them look pretty, not necessarily why. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to understand the why of it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I just don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's absolutely um, fine. And it's, uh, you know, it's just this really neat and interesting thing. And it's just, you know, like, because the, the way I originally did the show is that Unreal has this thing in it called Sequence Recorder. And it's uh, basically it allows you to... Uh, record uh animation information for actors in a scene and oh yeah uh save it as uh animation data and oh yeah that's how i was originally doing it and it works but as i said it's stupid uh because if you're (laughs) shooting anything that lasts longer than three to five minutes 
the processing time for all of that animation is going to take forever. And that is even including, uh, since I started doing the show uh, on that GTX 970 and a six-year-old Intel processor, uh, I've upgraded my PC. And even with current generation tech, it still takes forever. Yeah. Like, there's just no way around it. And, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong. There's, as I said, like the custom, uh, the customization opportunities in that instance are so excellent. I mean, I can literally put cameras wherever I want in the scene and just like, just switch between them. Just like. So, just... How, how do you control that while you're in the VR space? Do you, do you have you customized a bunch of buttons that you can press? Yep. Cool. Um, so, in, in the space around you, you've got like these big old, you've got a big red button which says camera one or camera two. Uh, most of it I actually control through a keyboard. Uh, oh, cool. especially in the way I have the new set set up, I actually have a keyboard in real space that is pretty aligned with the laptop that I keep in the scene. So when I go to like oh, camera changes, it looks like I'm actually touching the laptop now. Um, that's pretty cool. So you kind of kind of got like a um. Oh, I've forgotten the term. It's kind of like an you've augmented your keyboard, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I have, uh, I have bound superimposed the... reality. That's the yeah. word. Um, so I've nice. bound one through six in the keyboard to the different camera angles. Uh, I have, and also too, they uh, can switch scenes in Streamlabs as well. Uh, so that way. Oh, yeah. Because it would be really stupid to say have the the guest showing up uh, on the screen in a scene where they're not supposed to be. So like, uh, you know, I have like four different scenes in uh, Streamlabs that just handle the different use cases of how the set could be set up uh, or where the focus like a, is for a the green shot. room for the folks to hang out in. No, they just literally. I feel bad about it because I haven't figured out a better solution. But they literally just sit there in the call and wait for me oh. to put them on screen. Um, okay, cool. And uh, I, you know, I feel bad for them, but I remind them every time as they're waiting for me to do that that I'm literally just in like the saddest possible thing, standing still in a room, waiting to actually start the show with a headset on. Uh, mm. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, I have when I made the switch over to the new set, I made a big concerted effort to have as much of it uh, handled in game as possible. Because yeah, uh, it's just it makes one it makes it a heck of a lot simpler for me as I'm doing like the actual performance, and two it makes for a better audience experience because it doesn't then like I'm not taking them out of the experience of the show by having to reach somewhere where there's very clearly Mm. not something I should be doing. I think it's cool how when, if you're the host is immersed, then the audience can then feed off that as well. Yeah. I Um, think that's really interesting. You know, and I try and also maintain just like a really kind of laid back show because, you know, like, uh, I love formal interviews, but that's not the kind of stuff that I want to do. Um, because I have this very unique, uh, view of like celebrity and hero, uh, because I was, uh, 
had the crummy luck of growing up as the son of one. And, oh. uh, so for people who just think that the name is funny, it's not. Uh, my father is the late author, Tom Clancy. And so. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, as I said, everything people need to know about me is in my Twitter profile. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I, you know, knew him as Tom Clancy, the author, and I also knew him as Tom Clancy, the human. And yeah. there's a lot of, uh, there's a, you know, and so it's, there's a lot of like uh, misunderstanding with a lot of people. And this is, you know, to no fault of the audience at all, hmm. but they get this idea that uh, create, you know, not just, you know, creators, writers, actors, all these people are like these, these unapproachable uh, uh, monoliths of talent hmm. and creativity. And the truth of the matter is that they're just normal people like everybody else. Yeah. You know, and so I try and That's maintain a, this yeah. really laid back show because I want people to see these people that they uh, admire, hopefully, or are soon to admire and see them just as normal people who are doing same thing as everybody else. I think that's really important. And I definitely it's one of the kind of the things I felt uh, immediately when I kind of watched your show is that you were very laid back, very approachable and and that's also one of the reasons why I felt completely okay to approach you to be on this podcast. Cause I thought he seems like a really just a cool guy. I could get a beer with him or type thing. Well, um, I won't get a I beer with that's... you. No offense. I, uh, uh, it's something I don't make a secret is I'm also, uh, uh, in recovery and have been for 15 years. So I will, Gosh. I will gladly get a coffee with you. That sounds good. A uh, coffee is great. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. So uh, I also I also quit smoking too, like twelve years ago. So like, coffee is good. my only vice anymore. Nice. Well, that's that's very good, and I'm very uh, pleased for you because I I've known people as well who have struggled with that. So I think it's that's super awesome. Yeah. Note to self: get somebody on show who is also in recovery and doing something cool. Yeah, cool. I'm sure you, there's plenty of people around. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, uh, and like, I mean, you know, it, it is something that's really big too, and it's something uh, that early on in my game, air quotes, game career, uh, that I struggled <laughs> with is that there is this big, uh, like, kind of bar culture of game mm. development, and you know, it's like I don't, I, I don't give a shit about bar culture. Oops, sorry, I don't know if you swear on your show. Um, uh. I could probably beep it out. Okay, cool. No worries. Yeah, that one just <laughs> happened. Uh, I think I've also sworn a couple of times as well, but I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah, I try not to on my show as well, but if it happens, it happens. I already have it yeah. labeled on Twitch and YouTube as uh, adult-oriented content. So. Yeah. Um, it is what it not is. that that matters except to cover my own butt. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's you know I've been to a bunch of events and people will come up to me and they're like, hey, man, let's get you a drink. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm good. And they're all like, you know, like, why don't you drink? And I'm just like, I just don't drink, man. You know? Yeah. Because it's, you know, like, I don't shy away from the whole, like, hey, I'm in recovery thing. But especially, like, uh, you know, when I was younger in the industry, it was just like, you know, I didn't want to give people a, you know, piece of ammunition to use against me or something because, mm. you know, the, the industry, by and large, kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. 
sounds very like cutthroat, competitive, and and backstabby. Yeah, and then there was all the stuff that came out this summer. Oh, yeah, what? Oh, well, like uh, uh, this year has been the year of uh, people finally having it with sexual harassment and assault in the industry. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, several of those names that came up, I've I've known them personally. And I'm just like, yeah, that was that was a fun one. That was really fun. (laughs) I'm crying on the inside. (laughs) but yeah, I mean that you know, and it's just like yeah, it's just you see the kind of people that some of these people can be, and it's just like really crummy because you know, like mm. I, I'm not going to name any names here, not because I'm no. worried about anything or anything, but like you know, just like let courts and corporations yeah. and everything handle things yeah, the way they better are. not to, yeah. But like I've you know, a couple of the people that have been named were very close friends with me, and I didn't know anything about it, and like maybe saw one or two red flags out of context, and then when all of that information came to light, I was just like, "Holy crap! I've been friends with that person for how long, and they did this?" Yeah, you know? and it's just yeah, and it's it sucks because we 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 all want to believe the best of our friends, and we all want to believe that we don't we aren't friends with crummy people but sometimes we are and uh this mm. is just you know uh i said it very clearly on my show early on in the run of it was is that i believe the victims always um yeah because plain and simple the 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 statistics on it is that uh the people who are falsifying an accusation uh is so small that it's basically non-existent yeah, yeah. so and it's just you know it sucks but yeah. you know and yeah, as I said, so the industry kind of sucks. People are doing a bunch of, you know, but like in the indie scene, it's, you know, they're, they they don't have to follow those same rules. And so they're, you know, yeah. not to say that, you know, a blanket statement, but by and large, they're doing a good job of building an industry the way it should have been built to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, and th- that's why I like my show is I can reach out to these people and give them a boost. I mean, it's not a huge boost, yeah. but you know, Hey, some is better than I think that. it goes back to what you were saying before is just treating everyone as just a normal human and and going back way a lot further and just saying you know don't be a dick yeah and those two things I think uh, are kind of the foundations for a, a good anything <laughs> yeah who knew if you just treated people with respect and uh, respected their bodily autonomy that you could yeah. make friends and get invited to cool things yeah who knew who knew it's weird yeah wild so that's kind of just like the the point of the show is just have fun uh promote cool people and just keep being cool cool i can super get behind that um i think we're gonna bring the official podcast to a, a close there um but if you You've probably well practiced in this. Uh, if anybody wants to kind of get in contact with you about your live show or about any of the stuff that we've talked about, like uh, game development and kind of prototyping for this kind of work you're doing, and um, be perhaps as well being recovering alcoholic, uh, what's and how can they get in contact with you if you would like them? Uh, easiest way is uh, Twitter. And just at Tom Clancy, T-H-O-M-C-L-A-N-C-Y. 
if anybody has any questions about like the show specifically, I just made a show email so stuff looks more uh official it is uh nice that tom clancy show at gmail.com uh you know uh just remember that h very important uh not for like legal reasons or anything like that but it's just you know uh you know that it's your name (laughs) yeah it's, it's my name and some jerk immediately before me decided to get famous with a very similar version of it (laughs) <laughs> and uh otherwise you can find the show at twitch.tv slash that tom clancy and uh i try and keep my twitter updated with the times on because like as i said there's a bunch of people all over the place and so it's like yeah. really hard to maintain a consistent schedule and uh especially like star wars squadrons coming out soon i'm probably going to start being more active in streaming games as well mm. that does look really cool doesn't it <laughs> it looks, i mean sitting inside like an x-wing it's gonna be tiny it's, it's vr cool. right yeah yeah that's gonna be fucking wild mm-hmm. <laughs> i it forgot is. that was coming out thank you for giving me that gift of excitement again i didn't forget <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool well thank you tom thank you thank you for being on this podcast and and telling me about yourself and having this nice conversation with you i really am humbled and it's been a pleasure oh no problem man thanks for having me thanks for listening all the way to the end of this episode if you like this podcast you want to get involved as a guest or have any constructive criticism please let me know You can contact me via the details in the description.